Welcome to the Office Space Podcast with your host, Dougal Jeppy, where he and his guests discuss relevant topics that are affecting occupiers of office space. Today, my guests are Tony Ionessa, CEO of Big Construction, a single-digit handicapped golfer, and valedictorian of the esteemed Fenwick High School. Is that accurate, Tony? <laughs> yeah, I was one of the top 200 kids in my class of 200. That's correct. Okay. We also have Bernie Donaldson, president of Office Revolution, an ex-rugby player and a boxing aficionado, which we, we both have in common between the rugby and, and boxing. So how was the recent fight in Vegas, Bernie? I was there Saturday night. It was the top five sporting events I've ever been to. Did you have money on, on who? I had money on Fury to knock him out like in the sixth round, I believe. And I missed it. He got a knockout, but it was too late. Got it. Great, great fight. I only saw the highlights. I wasn't able to see the full, the full fight. Last but not least, we have Tom Zorowski. He's been on this podcast before. He's the founding principal of East Lake Studios. He, I believe, is an encouraged but maybe slightly disappointed White Sox fan. Is that a fair assessment, Tom? <laughs> yeah, I was there on Sunday. I did my job, but uh, disappointed that uh, the White Sox fans didn't do their job the other day. We'll get them yeah. next year. Next year. Yeah, a lot of momentum. So given the experience of our guest today, we can cover the full spectrum of an office transaction from design and construction all the way to furniture. Before we get into it, I'd like to uh, I'd like you guys all to tell me a little something about yourself and your firm. Uh, Tony, why don't we start with you? Uh, thanks again for having uh, me and I'm, I look forward to chatting with with you, Google, Tom and Bernie. Big Construction is based in Chicago's West Loop. We're a construction management firm specializing in corporate interiors. And uh, we founded the business in 2016. So we just had our five-year anniversary and uh, moving things forward through a uh, global pandemic has been interesting, but uh, I, I think we're turning the corner here and looking forward to the next few years. Thanks, Bernie. Yeah, Bernie Donaldson. I founded Office Revolution in 2001 uh, here in Chicago, Illinois, originally from Philadelphia. Uh, we've grown here in Chicago uh, and have also have offices in Columbus, Ohio, in Raleigh, North Carolina, in Chicagoland, we're headquartered in Bannockburn, Illinois, and with offices in Prudential Plaza, uh, service uh, vertical markets from hospitality, corporate office, GSA, and healthcare. Okay, thanks, Bernie. And Tom. So um, I'm the founder and president of Eastlake Studio, a 30-person architectural practice focused on the design of workplaces. We create high-performance workplace environments where everyone feels safe and leaves fulfilled. How about that? Uh, we're also proud to have built our firm around solid values. Uh, we try to make an impact, be real, stay curious, get rewarded, and just play and have fun. That's us. Awesome. Nice summary, guys. Thanks. So there has been a lot of negative news in the media about the office market and the return to the office. I was hoping you guys could give us some positive news because I know there's a lot out there. Um, personally, I've, I've been very quite, quite busy and clients have been very active in the last few months. And so I'm, I'm quite encouraged on what's going to be happening in the future. So, Tom, maybe we'll start with you. 
And can you give us uh, some some data points or positive things you're seeing out there in the market? Sure. Um, so, Dougal, as you know, we work for both landlords and tenants. Um, we're busy on both sides, designing spec suites and amenity spaces for building owners um, and moving forward with uh, you know, multiple tenant projects. No one really has a handle on how things uh, will change as people return to the workplace, but I think they recognize that workplaces are critical to maintaining the culture uh, that they've established in the long run. I know that's something that uh, we're struggling with as a firm. And, uh, you know, I really think that if you maintain a, a virtual presence, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to see why people wouldn't eventually just go out and work as consultants rather than, than associate themselves with a larger organization. But uh, I think in general, uh, the firms that, that have confidence are moving forward. Um, I think those are some smart folks right now, to be honest, um, because I think there's some things to take uh, advantage of, uh, both deals in the marketplace as well as uh, um, uh, other opportunities to get ahead of competitors. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a long run that we have ahead of us, and uh, um, I, I, I'm pretty optimistic about the future. Thanks, Tom. Bernie, a um, little bit further downstream, but what, what are you seeing out there? I, to echo some of uh, Tom's comments, I, we see a lot of the same similar activity working with uh, certainly a growth within the real estate sector. The number of uh, proposals and uh, RFPs that we've received over the last six months has been is, is great compared to what it was in the first quarter of this year. And as I see, it's, it's the culture is key. And uh, to Tom's point, we really, uh, to maintain that, you have to be together. And I think uh, uh, the challenges are really, are the challenges that our firm has are very similar to any typical end user as people have gotten used to working from home, uh, not having to commute. And we just, as leaders in the company, we just have to really work with our employees to let them know that we are in the contract interiors business and we need to give that to our clients and we need to give a seamless delivery for them in these challenging times. And I think being together, our, the only, our biggest thing is efficiency has been challenged, not having, you can only do so much on video, uh, being together is of the utmost importance in my opinion. Great. Thanks for that, Bernie. Um, Tony, what about you? Well, I think what has changed, you know, in the most, I guess most, what I've seen change most over the course of the last 20 months to just maybe in the last two or three months is it feels like, and, and our data would point to companies are actually confident in making a decision. And I think a lot of folks sat on their hands for 18 months We've been through a global pandemic. We've been through multiple variants. I feel like it seems like the market would support that people are making decisions and whether they're going to go back to the office for three days or two days or not at all. Uh, I think decisions are being made, which ultimately helps all of us because it leads to a physical, some sort of physical presence, whether that means they're going to decrease their footprint, increase their footprint, have satellite offices, have a hub and spoke model what really makes me and our company and probably all of us uncomfortable is when our clients do nothing. Uh, and so what I've seen changed just in the last few months is people and clients are actually doing something, whether it's expanding, moving, refreshing, changing the way they work. Um, there, there are many more projects to Bernie's point 
<clears throat> we track all sorts of things things every single week at our company, uh, things like organic website visits, RFPs in the door, average RFP volume. We categorize things like hot prospects, which would be you know a, a, a lease that is imminent to be signed that is over a certain threshold of a square footage where we have a strong connection. And in 24 months, we haven't had the, the amount of uh, hot prospects as we call them that we have today. So I would tell you that our uh, outlook looks incredibly positive for the next few years, specific to corporate interiors. Yeah, that's great to hear. Great to hear, guys. Um, Tom, what sort of design trends are you seeing right now and, and what's uh, going to stick? We had a conversation probably about a year ago, Tom, on, on the podcast, and I'm wondering how much of that has changed from maybe a year ago. Maybe not much. Why don't you tell us? No, I think it's actually changed significantly. I think, uh, you know, we've certainly had a lot of opportunity to do research and actually um, we've actually um, done some um, planning studies for prototypical um, client types and, and have posted those on our website. So if anybody's looking for to see what we think it's going to look like, there's, there's some great examples on our uh, on the innovation page of East Lake Studios website. But you know, design trends last year started with a focus on safety and wellness. Um, but this year, um, you know, I think we've begun to realize that flexibility is really important. Um, meaning kind of how we work today will probably be different tomorrow. So you know, we need to anticipate and facilitate changes in the in the workplace. You know, that means investing in high performance furniture that can easily be reconfigured. And it could also extend to um, investing in demountable walls that can, can be reworked. Um, you know, I, I think an investment in workplace today will almost certainly pay off in the future. Um, we see, you know, the m majority of businesses that we're working with uh, employing some sort of hybrid solution where staff continue to work remotely, you know, more or less depending upon their role within the organization. Um, so when people do come into the workplace, the focus is really going to be collaboration. So we, we think that's an important part uh, in, um, of, of what workplaces are going to look like uh, moving forward. Uh, we think uh, a significantly higher proportion of meeting space is going to be required. Um, and, you know, the, the challenge becomes that you know, they still see everybody in their organization coming into the workplace occasionally. So they want their space to be able to accommodate everyone while supporting collaboration. And that's, that's a, a pretty big challenge. And, and I don't think it's leading necessarily to smaller spaces. I think it's leading to smarter spaces, you know. And I think uh, things like integrated technology become a key component and, and we're seeing everyone, including ourselves, investing in better video conferencing solutions. You know, ones that don't take half the meeting time to set up. Uh, everyone's been in one of those meetings, right? <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we also think that, you know, people have been remote for so long. I think they also are looking for some sort of contrast uh, from their home whether it's a hospitality vibe or library vibe, you know, it's just, it just needs to be different. And I think that's a key part of, uh, uh, you know, the stuff that we're working on and, and what's important to our clients. Yeah. All good points. R really, really briefly, are you seeing, I mean, you talked about the mountable walls. Um, we haven't seen that much, but it's come up more, more recently with some other clients. 
are, are you seeing that implemented or more just discussed? It's being discussed. You know, I think it's, it's really one of those, it's, it's part of the, uh, the options that that's av- that are available to folks. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an expensive, you know, it's an, an initial uh, higher cost solution. So it's, it's not always easy to bite that bullet, but I think, um, you know, I think the folks that, you know, have the confidence in where their uh, business is going uh, are strongly considering it. So it's on the table okay. on, on several of our projects. Okay. Bernie, since we're, we're kind of getting into the furniture realm here, what are your clients looking for right now? And in your opinion, what, what's the future of, of the office furniture layout and design? So to, to a lot of the similarities to what Tom stated is the, all of the, uh, what we're working on, uh, demountable walls are clearly, uh, and it, they're really not even uh, demountable, it's pre-manufactured construction. And uh, the number of projects where firms like Tony's, they're bringing in a pre-manufactured product is, go- is the inquiries have grown up, grown exponentially since the pandemic started. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, the, the cost of raw materials has gone up a lot. And in some ways, I think the delta that Tom ref- referenced is getting narrowed a little bit when you do look at an overall ROI. So I think, uh, and that's part of making us, as Tom said, a smart space. So, and us as a furniture dealer, our role is really to support the design community uh, when they do their research and to work with our our key manufacturers that they're delivering products that are reconfigurable and and are flexible uh, over over time. So, and also from a, a labor standpoint, we have to deliver projects faster and more efficiently than we had in the past. So Tom referenced spec suites. Um, we do, all three of our firms work in that arena. And to do those, you have to go, you have to move very quickly because clients don't drag out their decisions uh, for a long period of time anymore. So if somebody's in the market, they want to make a decision and they want to find a space very quickly. So, and I think that's, that's a trend that's really grown. Tony, let's get into the pricing. I know there's all the talk about the supply chain challenges in terms of timing and pricing. Are there specific items that have increased and are there any specific items that have decreased and what can clients do to protect themselves on, on those increases? Okay, great question. And we're answering this question daily, if not hourly. So there's three components to the question. There's logistics. There's the material lead times, and then there's the material uh, pricing. So I'll start with logistics. Just some, some data points here. The, everyone's heard about congestion at the ports. There's some recent reports that we get, and we partner with a construction analytics company that gives us monthly data on this stuff. Some recent reports as of a week ago, there's over 70 container vessels waiting to unload at LA's uh, port in Long Beach. Uh, that is disastrous in terms of getting materials and, and pretty unprecedented to use the word that's really, really popular in 2020 and 21. Uh, additional port discussion that I thought was interesting was Savannah, Georgia, which is also a, a, a rather large port, nothing compared to Long Beach, has seen a jump of 30% activity uh, in shipping volume year over year. As it relates to trucks, in 2019, uh, the trucking industry was short about 60,000 drivers. Uh, and they anticipate by 2023, they'll be short 200,000 drivers. And then uh, hitting closer to home in terms of rail cars, uh, there's been many reports as it relates to trucks trying to get in and out of, or um, rather rail cars trying to get in and out of Chicago waiting 10 weeks 
for goods to clear the bottleneck in Chicago on our famous rail system. So logistically, things become incredibly challenging. Uh, a shipping container that used to cost $2,500 to get from China to New York now costs 15 grand. Um, so it's very difficult to get materials. Material lead times, uh, just a couple of anecdotal ones here. Metal studs went from uh, maybe last year or the year prior to something you could get overnight with one day notice to three to four weeks plus. We were hearing up to five to six weeks to get metal studs on job sites. Uh, flooring has increased pretty dramatically. We're looking at traditional carpet tile, uh, eight to 10 weeks to get. Doors, frames, and hardware, we're looking at 12 weeks to get on site. Glass and glazing, stuff that, you know, simple clear glass you used to be able to get in a week or two is now taking seven to eight weeks. And then I'll just give you four examples of cost increases that we've seen this year. Drywall is up 40 to 50 percent. Uh, metal grid that holds ceiling tiles is up 40 percent. Flooring is up anywhere from seven to 10 percent. And uh, probably the most surprising is data cabling. Data cabling is up 25 percent uh, wow. year over year. Wow. And, you know, just anecdotally to circle back to material lead times, data cabling, all of our clients put it in, Cat6 cabling. Uh, you used to be able to get again in a, in a few days or a week, and we're hearing months for data cabling. So, Tony, if I mean, let's say you've got a, I mean, if you got a hundred dollars a square foot job um, a year ago, what's that? What's that cost now? Uh, I would anticipate that's one hundred and twenty dollars a foot okay. from a year ago, and maybe more. I All think right. the bigger the bigger thing to talk about, though, is what can clients do to mitigate the risk as it relates to getting the materials and being open on time. If we have a traditional fit out that, you know, maybe was a 12 to 16 week construction schedule, uh, the construction schedule themselves really shouldn't be impacted, provided that there's 12 to 16 weeks ahead of that construction schedule to procure the materials. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah, And so yep. what, what clients can do is, and they should do, is they should be sending out RFPs early, almost as soon as they hire an architect. They need to engage a construction manager, general contractor, to start procuring the long lead materials. And long lead materials uh, used to mean maybe HVAC equipment, light fixtures, and carpet. And now, frankly, long lead materials, uh, I'm struggling to find a, a major trade that doesn't have a long lead material that they need to purchase ahead of time. Yeah, those are really good points and, and a great segue to my next question about how can, you know, what advice would you guys give to each other to create a better client experience? It sounds, sounds to me, uh, Tony, that you're saying that, you know, you guys got to get engaged earlier with the architect so you can start pricing those earlier um, and figure that out. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, and I'll just give you an example. So Tom and I share several mutual clients, but we had a client come to us recently that was expanding you know, they want to be occupying their space in, let's say, Q2 or Q3 of next year. Tom's team was engaged, I don't know, Tom, maybe two or three months ago, and we were engaged maybe a month ago, to put it in perspective, in terms of the amount of time it that it does require to procure the materials, get them on site, and be prepared to build within a, re a reasonable time frame. Yeah, I agree. That's, a, that's an important part uh, of a process. You know, one of the things that we're seeing is if you get someone uh, like Tony on, on board early, they can identify, hey, um, the product that you specified is going to take 20 weeks. Uh, but we, you know, maybe we can work together to identify 
equal uh, product substitutions that uh, can, you know, from, from manufacturers that can, can beat those, those lead times. So that's an important part of the conversation with both Bernie and Tony, to be honest, because, you know, it's, it's certainly on the furniture side as well. Bernie, I see you're back. Can you hear me? Yep. Yes. Great. Any advice you would give to, um, to Tom uh, and or Tony and or a client uh, to make the process better? I, I think it is onboarding all, all facets of your project team, onboarding them early is best. And, it, you know, we, we historically we've gone through a furniture, a long RFP process and, to, and a general contractor is going to be waiting. OK, I need my furniture guys. I have to lay out floor cores. I need them on board because we need a lot of information from them. And typically in the older days, we would get brought on really at the last minute when it was a fire drill to get furniture to the site on time while the contractors were still putting in lighting and that always creates a poor customer experience. Whereas if you onboard somebody earlier as part of the project team, everything goes far more seamlessly and um, you just, the client is far more, far more happy. And we have, there's plenty of cases where I could recommend that. We've all worked in projects where the, we were exhausted before the, uh, the project really was underway, you know, through the whole bidding process. Right. So earlier is, earlier is the better. And furniture isn't no different than what um, what Tony deals with with construction. Uh, the change in the office furniture design is uh, made workstations, which tend to be more readily available than what we reference, what we call ancillary furniture, which is typically upholstered materials that uh, you know fabric and foam and uh, chair fra chair frames. They all most of them come from overseas. And this, the global supply chain has affected that industry uh, immensely. So the earlier, the better is kind of the, the message for everybody. Hey, Bernie, are you seeing any clients swapping out uh, furniture right now to address, you know, current COVID concerns or spacing or anything like that? Or are they pretty much just keeping what they had and um, reorienting it, I guess? Well, I, I think in some ways, you know, early on, just say a year or more ago, people were where everybody was calling about plexiglass screens and dividers. Uh, and then they found that that was expensive to do as a Band-Aid. And then probably about a year, you know, last summer of 20, uh, we, everybody was in a holding pattern so that nobody made any decisions. So now I think clients have to understand employees don't want to come back to an office that is antiquated or isn't, we'll call it uh, safe or collaborative. So that's creating a lot of the inquiries and interest that's going on right now. Um, there, there are fewer, we have had clients that have de-densified. They've taken some workstations out of their, their space or just since they're working hybrid, people just spread out a little bit more because to remove furniture in the city of Chicago with labor costs, it's just cost prohibitive. So um, that's, the answer is yes, but not as much as one might think. Okay, thanks. We are coming up on the end of uh, the podcast right now, guys. Any any parting shots, any comments, any predictions for what uh, the office is going to look like in a couple of years? Uh, I'll start. I think um, we're already seeing momentum. I'm calling October 13th as uh, the beginning of a, of a major shift. Um, I actually called uh, the bottom of the, uh, the last recession. So I've got this you know, amazing ability to do that. 
and we're already seeing it. You're seeing a narrative in the media coming back, which pushes people to do certain things. So it's going to be all positive uh, moving forward. Anything else from your guys' perspective you want to talk about? Personally, I think, uh, you know, there's no doubt that the office space is just going to be different, smarter, and more vibrant. Um, I think that's really going to be what, it, what it's all about and look forward to, uh, to that world for sure. And I think, you know, despite some of the negative press, we live in a world-class city, second to none. And uh, the, our, our Chicago has proved over the years that it can flex and it can change. And I think we're seeing that now. So uh, I think the opportunity is very bright for all of us in the future. And Tony, as the valedictorian of Fenwick, do you have any brilliant words? <laughs> well, it sounds like you should be my financial. You should be my financial planner if you're if you're picking recessions. Um, but that aside, uh, look, hum human beings are incredibly resilient. Uh, they've proven that time and time again. And Americans have a very short memory. And so, while this feels like a really, really major thing that we've gone through, and it, and it was. I do think that shortly it becomes a distant memory and we go back to doing many of the same things we were doing before, uh, maybe differently, maybe more flexible, which I think we were headed in that direction pre-COVID. Um, but I, I don't think that we're going to see too, too massive of a change. Maybe in the short term, to Tom's point earlier, we see uh, less cubicle farms and more really cool, creative ways uh, to build a space for, for folks to meet and collaborate in their office. Uh, but I think in large part, Americans have a very short memory and we'll be back to the office. All right, Tony, Bernie, Tom, thanks for your time. I'm going to have links to your company's websites in the show notes. And um, we will talk again soon, I'm sure. Take care. Thanks a lot. Google. Thanks, talk Google. To Google. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Office Space Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time.